What's up? How's everyone doing? I hope y'all are taking care of yourselves and whatnot. Both your mental health and your physical health as well. And, you know, the people y'all care about, be taking care of them as well. Just, just fucking be spreading good vibes around this summer and beyond that, I guess. So, yeah, I, I, I've been away from podcasting for a minute now. Not from social media, though. That sector of Ulterior has been consistently updated, albeit without following the concise schedule that I used to. But podcasting obviously went away for a bit, and that was necessary for myself because I just needed to spend some time fixing myself and allowing myself the space to go through what I have been going through. I would not at all say that I'm okay now, but I understand that I need to move forward with this platform because it means a lot to me, and having a voice in the alternative scene is a literal dream of mine. I I don't know how many people will be listening to this episode, but for anyone who shares you know, even just a marginal amount of care for what I'm doing, like, even after weeks of inactivity, thank you so, so much. So, on to the episode. Like I do at the end of every month or beginning of another month, I will be going over my choices for the top 10 artists of the month. And, as usual, I have two runner-ups before getting onto the rest of the list. The first runner-up is Memphis Mayfire, because for some fucking reason, they finally released a good song after nine years. I genuinely have, like, just not cared for anything Memphis Mayfire have done over their last three album cycles, and after the absolute bore of a record that was broken, it felt kind of justified to write them off. But at the start of June, they dropped a new song called Blood and Water, and it is fucking incredible, and easily one of my favorite things they've ever done. I don't know if this is a career resurgence for Memphis Mayfire, but I am at least excited to hear more from them this year, which has not been the case for a very long time. The second runner-up is Cherry Amor. Formerly known as One Life to Lead, the band changed their name to Cherry Amor back at the start of June, and that came with the announcement of their signing to Equal Vision Records. They put out one song called Burn, and if that single is meant to be an indicator as to what kind of a band Cherry Amore are poised to be, then this is a band that everyone in the scene needs to know about. Burn is the perfect blend of alternative with pop and R&B elements, and I know Cherry Amore aren't the first band to venture into that realm, but... I really don't know if I've heard anyone do it better than them on Burn. And, and with a song like this to their name, and the backing of a label like Equal Vision, I really think Cherry Amore can become something special very quickly. On to the actual list. Number 10, Tyler the Creator. So Tyler had somewhat of a surprise drop this month. Not entirely a surprise in the sense that his new album, Call Me If You Get Lost, wasn't announced ahead of time, because it was, but there was only a week that separated the lead single, Lumberjack, from the rest of the record releasing. I thought Lumberjack was very good, and that in turn led to a record that I would say I really did enjoy. Even more so than Igor from two years ago, which I feel like I always failed to click with in the same way that many others did. And there's always going to be a nostalgia factor with any of Tyler's projects for myself, because 
you know, I was that kid in high school talking ad nauseum about Yonkers and Odd Future to anyone who would listen. But as for Call Me If You Get Lost, my only gripe with it was really the length of the song Sweet, I Thought You Wanted to Dance. It's almost 10 minutes long, and in my opinion was not interesting enough to justify a length of that magnitude in the same way that a song like Wilshire did. As for a highlight of the record, I thought Manifesto featuring Damo Genesis was a fucking killer of a track, and probably the one off of the record that I've listened to the most over the last few days. And of course, since it's Tyler, anything that has his name attached to it will be well received and publicized, so good on him. Number 9. Dwayne. I feel like if anyone in the scene has tried to ignore Dwayne over the last year or so, then that's already a failing effort because I've seen his name pop up in various areas. He had a feature on Point North's album from last year, and then Chase Atlantic a couple of months ago, and now he has a spotlight all to himself with his debut album Stains, and I thought this was a quality release that had to have either met the expectations of every Dwayne fan or exceeded them. I felt that the second you press play on the opening song, National Anthem, Dwayne just gets in the listener's face and shows them sonically why this is a record that they shouldn't be forgetting about anytime soon. He really does make himself stand out from everyone else in the scene here in the best way imaginable. And even songs that weren't singles like Money and Me Vs. You kept me captivated with Dwayne's very, very interesting take on the alternative genre. I just think the dude is a star, and he really only has the ability to go upward from here. Number 8. Wristmeat Razor I've spoken so many times on this podcast before about my affinity for the post-hardcore revival that's taking place at the moment. Bands like Static Dress, Sea Space Cowboy, and If I Die First are constantly making their mark in that realm of the alternative scene, and in June... It was Wristmeat's Razor's turn to do just that. It still astonishes me how a band can take on this sound that's pulled straight from the 2000s MySpace era of core music, yet still make it sound fresh and welcoming in 2021. There's no shortage of brutality and, like, I, I guess pit-engaging moments on Wristmeat Razor's new record, Replica of a Strange Love, just a little over 30 minutes long, and this record is easy to get through, and not once does its momentum become derailed at any point. Even on songs like Love's Labor's Lost and 99 and 4400, that slow the pace just a bit, they still do so in a manner that retains every bit of eeriness and uncomfortability that the atmosphere obtains in every other present track. This is an age scene kid's dream of a record, and I think this band earned every bit of praise and acclaim that they've received in June. Number 7. Starletta. So to go into a direction that completely opposes a band like Wristmeat Razor, Starletta graced the month of June with his debut EP, Sad Summer. Starletta is actually the drummer for a metalcore band called Idora, Yet, his solo project that I'm highlighting right now, it's like this electronic pop act that channels other major names like The Weeknd and Justin Bieber. And you know what? 
I think he ventures this sound incredibly fucking well. This EP is fun, it's heartfelt, it's catchy, it checks every box that I personally look for in pop music, and I honestly couldn't be any happier with how it turned out. And I knew from the lead single, Crying in Miami, that that would be the case. L like seriously, that song fucking rules, and I would recommend it to anyone as a way to see if this EP sounds like something that they could get into. Number 6. Lorna Shore So the thing about all of the artists in the top 10 of this episode is that they all made it on the basis of having released an album or EP in June. But Lorna Shore is the exception to that. They made it into the top 10 and nearly the top 5 with just a single. To give a little bit of background, the band released an album last year called Immortal, and that had CJ McCreary on vocals. Right before that record was released, an allegation came out against CJ and he was removed from Lorna Shore. The band finally announced their new vocalist as Will Ramos from Monument of a Memory and Awaken Providence, and along with that came the band's first song with him, To the Hellfire. I say this without any exaggeration, without any hyperbole, To the Hellfire is one of the heaviest songs I've ever heard in my life. It is absolutely fucking disgusting. The sounds coming from Will on this track are not characteristic of any human. He is a fucking possessed monster, and the rest of the band mirrors his aggression instrumentally. This is one of the biggest achievements of the year, and I really, really cannot wait to hear more from this new incarnation of Lorna Shore. Number 5. Midgar 2021 actually marks Midgar's 13th year of existence, yet I didn't hear about them until December of last year, so just a few months ago really, and that was through We Don't Make the Rules, the lead single for the band's new album, Unity. I was instantly hooked by that song just blown away by how incredible I thought it was, and then Midgar followed that up with a few more singles like Nemesis, Sunburn, and Paradise, with Sunburn being the one that I really raved about back when I reviewed it on this show, like at the, I, th I think it was like the end of April or beginning of May was when it dropped. Unity just released last Friday, and the thing about that record that astonished me is that it's a record that I shouldn't like. A lot of its influence comes from Prague, and truthfully, Prague is a genre that I really have no interest in. Like, whenever I hear the word Prague, I think of a band like Tool, and that's just not the kind of sound that intrigues me. But for some reason, Midgar's execution of those concepts captivated me. I love this record. I was able to stay attentive to it the entire time, and in particular, the title track I thought was one of the most gorgeous songs I've heard in recent memory. I would imagine little to no amount of people listening to this episode have ever heard of Midgar before, but I would strongly recommend at least giving the singles off of this record a chance. Number 4. Cult. A and that's spelled C-V-L-T-E for anyone who's not familiar with them. This Japanese act has been making some incredible moves over the last two years or so, and on June 7th, they dropped their debut album called PlayStation 2. Every single for this record made it clear that this would be a memorable release for myself. Like, 
I, I could go on and on about how amazing I think songs like Paradise and Bloodbath are, and Needed You remains one of my favorite songs of the year thus far. Getting the rest of the album was a fucking treat since it is flooded with some of the catchiest, most chill tracks the scene has to offer right now. The penultimate song, Wasted Times, is another instance of Cult just knowing what works for them and how to utilize every one of their strengths, despite still being relatively new. I've got no gripes with this record whatsoever, and I think Colt can go as far as they want to take themselves. Number 3. Loveless. This band only formed at the end of 2019, and their first single released in April 2020, so they really only know of a pandemic world as a band, but as concerts are returning and more of society opens back up, I would hope that Loveless have a spot in the realm of live performance packages because they've more than fucking earned it. They put out their debut album, Loveless One, back at the start of the month, and as far as that sector of the scene that meshes pop rock with post-hardcore, I think you'd have a hard time finding a release in recent memory that achieves what this record does. Loveless One is a fucking hook machine, and I guarantee that some of these songs will be stuck in your head. The second track, Better, was Loveless' first song that dropped last year, and I cannot express how disappointed I am with myself for only discovering it now. If Better was a new song, it would honestly be the current winner for Song of the Year. It is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard in my life, and that prowess that Better shows is carried over into the other songs on this record. Even on a song like I Don't Miss You Anymore that has a slower pace compared to its contemporaries, it still builds itself up masterfully, and the punch that comes in later on in the song just further shows the capabilities of Loveless. I, I am in love with this record, and I think it's going to age very, very well. Number 2. Kenny Hoopla Coming into June, out of every project that was announced ahead of time and we already knew about, Kenny Hoopla had my most anticipated one. There's something about Kenny Hoopla's brand of pop punk that I think distinguishes him from the others. Like, there's this, I guess, embracing of the punk portion of that phrase that I just feel like Kenny was meant to make as part of his identity. In June, he released his mixtape called Survivor's Guilt, supported by amazing singles like Estella and Hollywood Sucks. And then the finished product is just littered with other outstanding tracks like Smoke Break, Silence is Also an Answer, and Turn Back Time. In the age of the whole pop-punk revival thing that's been going on, I think Kenny Hoopla's mixtape is up there with Maggie Lindemann's EP as the crowning achievement of that movement. Kenny Hoopla really has all the potential to become a pillar in the scene, and I hope his hard work gets the love and recognition that it warrants. So before getting to number one, I'm going to go ahead and briefly recap the list up to this point. The runner-ups were Memphis Mayfire and Cherry Amore. Number 10, Tyler the Creator. Number 9, Dwayne. Number 8, Wristmeat Razor. Number 7, Starletta. Number 6, Lorna Shore. Number 5, Midgar. Number 4, Colt. Number 3, Loveless. Number 2, Kenny Hoopla. Number 1, Poppy.
So, I think anyone who knows me personally and has spoken to me before about music understands just how much Poppy as an artist means to me. And I can't pretend to not have a bias in favor of her on this show. I think Poppy is goaded. She is everything that a star in music should be, and there's a reason why she's managed to be as successful as she has, despite being so unorthodox and not in line with what is normally seen in a big star from the alternative world. A few weeks ago, Poppy released her new EP, Eat NXT Soundtrack, NXT being a WWE brand that she's collaborated with in the past. She's been on their shows a few times and had a merch drop with them. It's actually a lot of really cool stuff. And this EP was a surprise drop, although the title track, Eat, had already been premiered at a Grammy event back in March. And I desperately needed that song on Spotify ever since the first time I heard it, because I think it's fucking perfect. From there, you've got songs on here like Say Cheese, which is almost like a a Dillinger Escape Plan worship type song with how chaotic it is. Q has some of those characteristics while also giving way for Poppy's more melodic side to shine in the choruses. Breeders has some more like alternative rock hints to it while housing what I think is one of Poppy's catchiest choruses. Breed another hypocrite, breed another liar, God made you in his image, consumption and desire. And then the EP closes with Dark Dark World, which feels like the most streamlined and safe song on the whole project, and really has single potential written all over it, in my opinion. With only five songs on this EP, I really felt that Poppy owned June in a way that I didn't see from anyone else. And then on the final day of the month, she dropped another new single called Her, which is a lot more tame than anything off of Eat, yet is still another outstanding release from her. Poppy is emblematic of everything I could ask for sonically, and I know that no matter what direction this woman takes her music in, I will forever be infatuated with her work for the rest of time. And that's it. Those were my top 10 artists of June, along with two runner-ups. And, you know, it's fair to call June a failure of a month as it pertains to this platform. Um... But, you know, I have my reasons for that, and I, I really wish that wasn't the case, but... Yeah, and maybe people who are listening to this can test to it. Sometimes you just can't be fucking bothered, you know? Sometimes you really just need a break from everything, and... I, I would like to think that this break I've taken from podcasting has done me well, and will, you know, help invigorate me to continue on with this show. There's an ice cream truck outside, I don't know if anybody can hear that. Um. But yeah, uh, that was all I really had to say. I'm going to go ahead and sign off on this episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.